0: It's betting, Jim, but not as we know it. Hello, Cuz, This is big. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All in running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Hey, you! Get your damn hands off her! We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And
1: we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it
0: for you. I'm too old. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by bookiebashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 164. I can't do it for you. And I can't. I'm too old. If you've been going through a period of time where you've been losing and you've been betting on plus EV and positive equity bets. No one's going to drag you out of hell for you. You have to do it yourself. You've got to find your angle, find your edge, and find your own way. The rest of us can help guide you. We can point you in the right direction. We can give you hints and tips and strategies, but nobody's going to place the bets. No one. It is your responsibility that you're in the situation that you are just now. It won't get fixed until you step up and do something about it. It is 38 minutes past six. On Friday, the 16th of October, 2020, coming up on this afternoon's Bashcast, we have a chat about some new edges that we're having yet again on bookiebashing.net, this time around the Anytime Goalscorer and Goalscorer Markets. The look at the horse racing tracker that I promised last time and didn't get around to. I definitely have done it this time and know it because I'm doing the intro at the end of this week's Bash Fest. We also have a look at the golf, the PGA, and cover what has been happening in the last couple of months after the break. Betfred refused to pay out £1.7 million. casino punter what is our take on it on the bashcast all of that and more coming up in tonight's episode So we're making money again. We're making money again, Margaret! (laughs) It's been a while. 2020, what a minging year it was. Um, um, January was fine. It was a very normal month, January. And then February just ran under EV and March, and then you had lockdown in March. So you had the running under EV. I made a loss in March. I made a loss in April because I was still scrambling around trying to find better stuff and then just hung up the reins may and june didn't do anything by the time we got to july i was hanging on to profit in the year just solely through what had happened in january made some good money in july i thought the wheels were back in motion august made a loss loads of people did um because we were coming out of lockdown the sport was going a bit weird Those the unders were hitting all over the place in the footballers teams were not getting any goals shots on target corners so there was a hefty loss in August. And then um, uh, September, the wheel's back in motion, a little bit of profit. And then October, five figures profit. It's only the 15th of October. Might just stop now. Um, so it's back to normal, good times. Where's the money coming from? We can delve into this a little bit. Now, there's a bit of a secret that I, I I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about in the last one, and then I ran out of time. I think I'd had a beer with my friend, Yabba Gubba Doo, so I uh, didn't talk about it then. didn't talk about in the previous one. It's the horse racing tracker. Um, this is something that goes on in the background, and it ticks over. It's like that thing that just ticks over, and when everything else is going to pop, this is just regular money coming in. Um... I don't talk about it a lot. One of the reasons why, I'm going to put my hands in here, I don't particularly like horse racing. I never have. I don't find it that interesting. I don't understand it, although over time, as I've been exposed to it and I've been making money on it, I sort of, you get the, you get the idea of um, the angles and the edges and, that people are using. But something about Formula One, something about horse racing, something about people racing against each other, unless it's athletics. I quite like athletics. As a sport, it doesn't interest me massively. As a gambling opportunity, it's my, it's the bread and butter that goes on behind the scenes that repairs all of the losing runs of the more fun things that I like to bet on, like the golf. What's the difference between the golf and the horse racing? Not a lot. Uh, to calculate the edge in both of them, we just take the uh, paid number of places, work out the probability of finishing in each one of those places, and then... We know if it's value or not. So we assign probability to second, third, fourth. And then if the bookmaker is paying four places, we know the probability of coming in the top four places. We know the each way terms and we can work out what the value is by a simple divisor. There are plenty of horse racing tools on the market. What makes the bookie bashing one different? is that the rest of them are really just arbitrage tools. They're relying on there being money in the exchange to determine the place price. And very often there's no money in the place price's early doors and even closer to the race, it can be quite gappy and more minor meets. Uh, On boogie bashing, we eliminate the requirement for the exchange by coming up with an assessment of the place price through... um, Looking at the top bookie price and then adding a little bit of margin and markup with appropriate bias, where necessary, and that means that we can look at every race. Okay, are we going to be spot on on the um, exchange price when it forms? No, no one ever is, but it's certainly good enough. We do track the profits of the exchange, but just looking at mine, this is um. Well, I wasn't doing any horse racing over lockdown because there weren't none like um but looking at september and october i am just shy of seven thousand pounds up six thousand eight hundred and seventy eight pounds um in terms of the swings that go on then I'm, i'm sort of hitting um half of my days are in profit half of my days are in loss many days are just a few quid up Many days are just a few quid down. Um, sort of one, two, three, four, five, six days or so, I've been about £500 pounds down. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days, I've been over £500 pounds up. And a couple of those, over £1,500 pounds up. One really big one, one decent, gigantic one. And to achieve those profits, I am placing two different things. I'm placing... um singles each way obviously because the value is in the place to win between 200 and 500 pounds um on the win and I'm placing a few lucky 15s i don't really bet below two to one and there's no reason mathematically for that other than fave long shot bias i um, would much rather stick 50 pounds each way at 10 to one than i would 500 pounds each way on evens even though the variance and the value and the volatility is exactly the same between those two bets. There's no reason why, if I'm placing £50 each way at 10 to 1, I can't place £500 each way at evens. I just don't like it. I don't like it when that even shot doesn't place and I'm £1,000 down, so I don't do it. It's just my choice. Um, there's nothing mathematical about that. Don't copy that if you want to make money. Um, do copy that if you don't like losing a £1,000 on one horse. So it just takes along in the background, and it is really regular profit, and there is no difference between the calculation between the horse racing tracker and the golf tracker, except there is, and it's really important. Imagine having a PGA uh, event every single day. Now imagine having eight PGA events every single day. Well, that's the same as just one meeting in the UK. And when we've got five meetings, that is the same as having 40 PGA events in one single day. Every day, seven days a week. Now with the golf, I love the golf. I love watching it. I love the drama. And I actually bet bigger on the golf. Um, uh, Some of that is to do with the fact that I enjoy it more. Um, but there's also volatility. We could have a long-term positive expectation mathematical system for betting on golf. And because there are only one to two golf tournaments a week every week, we could go a year and be down and it'd still be a sound strategy. If you're betting on the horse racing and you're betting on 10, 15, 20 horses a day, and at the end of the year you're down... There's a very real chance that the strategy that you're using isn't sound. So, the benefit with horse racing is volume. And this is king for all value betting. If you're doing things right and you're betting on long term plus EV, positive equity opportunities, just hit the volume and everything will be okay. You're on a down swing, hit the volume. You're losing, hit the volume. Hit the volume, hit the volume. Wake up, hit the volume. Go to sleep, hit the volume, hit the volume and then close your eyes if you could be a robot and then just hit the volume you'll make money at the end of it um uh, we've been tracking the bets that have been going up on the tracker now to track the results there's no automation here it's a bit weird because sometimes if you watch live, a horse can be Plus EV, and then at the same odds, it can be negative EV a few minutes later. What do we do? Do we track it or not? So here's the rule. Uh, I log on at 11 o'clock in the morning and at 2 p.m., or if I don't, Duncan does, and sometimes it's 11.05, so don't have a go at me if it's not 11 o'clock exactly. I do record the time, and I keep that in the records. Uh, I log on to the tracker, and I look at Bet365, Betfred, William Hill, Ladbrook, Skybet, and Paddy Power, just because that's a cross-reference of bookmakers to have a look at. Maybe one's performing better than another one. Maybe there are more opportunities at one or another. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go and record all of them because I have to manually copy and paste the horses out of the tracker and into my own Excel spreadsheet. So, um, since the 25th of August 2020, um, there have been 3,022 Positive EV horses on the tracker at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. at Bet365, BetFred, William Hill, Ladbrook, SkyBet, and Paddy Power. So, how do we um, um, determine the performance? Well, um, instead of using uh, Kelly staking or complicated staking, we're doing exactly the same as everywhere else on the site, just keeping it exactly consistent. If it's plus EV, we stake to win £200 liability on the win. Uh, uh, if it's 100.01% EV, we do that. If it's 999% EV, we still do that. If it's uh, 99% EV, we don't bet on it. It's as simple as that. Um, It's just consistent with everywhere else. No need to change a formula like that. Um, On the 3,022 bets, we would have staked £135,979, returned £146,419 pounds for a grand profit and loss of £10,440. Pounds. That's with 266 winners and 703 places. That's a return of investment of 107.68%. There you go. If you had those six bookmakers and you just sat on the tracker and placed all the plus EV horses, that could be multiple horses in a single race um, or horses in different races, to win £200 EV at uh, 11 a.m. Did I say 11 a.m. before? That is the time, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Then you would be £10,000 up in a shade under two months, about uh, one month and three weeks. Um, I filtered out win arbs there. Um, I have that filtered out in my tracker because you want to keep the longevity of your account going. Um I place all of my horse racing um bets on at Skybet my own Skybet account. So it was nice when you're winning and losing lots of diff- lots of amounts of money that um you're doing it and you don't have to worry about withdrawing it. Um and the good thing about Skybet is they have unrestricted me since I started messing around with request bets. Um, they restrict, unrestricted a lot of other people I have heard that other people have been re-restricted uh, for that reason I sort of have a rule a, re- uh, a request a bet a day keeps the traders away if there's a game on I will try and place a neutral EV request a bet on it £50, £100 pounds on something at evens or 2 to 1 uh, I'm not making any money on these mutual EV request a bets. I'm not losing any money either Uh, Sometimes I go on a hot streak and a few come in. Sometimes, especially the last week, they all lose. Over time, it's plus or minus very insignificant amounts of money. What it has done, I think, is it has allowed me to keep my um, unrestricted account unrestricted. How much can I get on horse racing? I I actually don't know. More than I want to. Uh, Let's just pick up an evening race at Southwell tonight. Um, The 6.15, let's pick a horse where the maths is quite easy. None of these, the maths is quite easy. <laughs> okay, an 11 to one horse. I can get 200 quid on an 11 to one horse, so I could win 2,000 pounds each way Um, on that horse, which is nice. Um, Let's just close that down. Yeah, 2,181 pounds I could return for that. That's more than I need to win at the 6.15 at Southwell. So... Um, I, I do think the difference between me who has remained unrestricted and people that have been re-restricted is that I place a lot of request bets, the neutral EV request bets. So I think that's making a difference. I do faff around with the casino a little bit. I just place, you know, 10 minute auto spins of some 50p spins on something. I don't know if that's helping or not. Um... I am quite ridiculously in profit in this Skype account recently. I think I'm, I'm nearly £10,000 in the last 14 days. Um, you wonder how long they're going to allow me to go on like this for. Maybe not forever. It's definitely good that I can do this here just now. Uh, so I recommend having a go at it. I place the each way singles on the horses, and I do the lucky 15s as well, right? I do lucky 15s on like everything. I do uh, each way doubles on the golf. I do lucky 15s on penalties recently because there had been a glut of penalties in the premiership. So I started doing lucky 15s and lucky 31s on there being penalties over the day. And if you ever hit all of them in one day, then it's jackpot city. Um... I was even placing lucky 15s on nil-nils in the home nations on the Nations League um, when Ireland were playing in matches where there couldn't be a goal. I'm su- I'm pretty sure all of these are good for uh, account longevity, and they're quite fun as well because the lucky 15s can be quite low stakes, but you get a big jackpot win at the end of it. So all of that helps. So listen, I mean, you don't have to bet a Skybet If you can go and bet a bet, Fred William Hill, Ladbrokes, Paddy Power, they're all in profit. It comes as no surprise that Denise has the most amount of profit. Not not the best ROI recently. That goes to Betfred. But with only 381 bets at Betfred, there's definite variance that could be brought in and maybe due a downswing. Um, But Denise bet 365, 1,086 bets for a return of £3,659 profit and loss. It's It's probably no surprise at all That if you have access to a Bet365 account, that is where the money is. So this horse racing tracker, I can't recommend it enough. Um, Lee has been working very hard over a period of time to get the secondary version out. It's going to have lots of bells and whistles on it. We, um, well, we, he really has found a way to keep the odds up to date to about a minute. It's very difficult to get lower than a minute. And it's always annoying when you go and find odds that have been cut, but Celevi, things like that happen. Um, Coral and books are on there. Um, there's going to be more books added in the future, and functionality like calculators for Lucky 15s and Lucky 31s and all of that, um, bells and whistles. That will all be coming um, possibly early in the month of November. Don't want to put too strict a time frame on it, but around about then. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, so it's a weird one because despite the fact I don't talk about horse racing a lot and I'm not a particularly massive fan of the sport. right now at this period of time it is just the one major repeatable edge over and over and over again and there's nothing else out there that can compete with horse racing simply because of the sheer number of races and number of opportunities that we have um, on any different any given day and any different week. If we can just stay under the radar, uh, stay unrestricted, and kudos to SkyBet for allowing me to get bets on and my old 10-year-old account. um, Betting on shops, an equally decent strategy um, to kind of try and remain unrestricted. But the fact that we can filter out win ARBs and also a lot of the value is coming when there is no place liquidity and so the place part isn't an ARB, definitely adds to the longevity of the account but one thing that you cannot ever get over is that and as Duncan found this if you are seriously five figures in profit on an account from horse racing there's nothing you can do to stop them from removing that account from you uh, it's as simple as that it's almost like a rule like if this guy is taking tens of thousands of pounds out of us, we're not going to get that back. Let's just shut them off. Let's just start them. But hopefully, that's a problem that's a nice one to have. Once you're at the point where they're going to give you the banhammer anyway. So, as I say, you know, throw throw away th- the the single the the lowest variance comes from just placing these singles each way singles. There's no reason to have a minimum odds for it. But who would want to bet on a, the same? Liability staking at 1 to 100 as they do at 10 to 1. Nobody, a moron possibly. The Lucky 15s are, are all they are, I mean, if you've got four plus EV horses in a Lucky 15s, so bear in mind the majority of the horses are quite high odds. They're mostly double figures. The twenty, You, you put four 20 to 1 horses into a Lucky 15, you're returning a uh, the same as five numbers on a lottery ticket. You know what I mean? I mean and that's what it is. It, it is a super... High variance plus EV lottery ticket. Um, and there have been, I think three or four occasions where I have been a single horse, albeit that horse has been eight to one, nine to one, ten to one, but I've been a single horse away from uh, the equivalent of a five number and the bonus ball win on a lottery ticket. Um, and I think it's. if I'm do this for a year, is it going to be there? It definitely makes watching those horse races interesting. Uh, what else have we been making money on apart from the horse racing? By the way, it's the next day today. Finished yesterday. Lucky 15 came in. For seven hundred quid and a twenty-eight to one. Who was in the lucky fifteen came in as well. Just, to, just to finish, just like smashed yesterday, just after finishing the bashcast. Why am I saying this? Um, I'm saying it because I was talking about smashing it, and then I finished the bashcast, did the kids' dinner, and whilst I was doing the kids' dinner, it was like between five and six p.m., the witching hour. Um, I've got the iPad on with Sky uh, with Skybet showing all of the horse racing, and I'm just watching the horses come in whilst making the dinner. It's very difficult to make pork belly and a mushroom risotto because the risotto does require a lot of attention. You ever made a risotto without making without paying attention to it? Right. Just in case you were wondering, three things are extremely important for a risotto. You have to sauté the onion and in the garlic very gently first before adding um your rice which needs to saute before you add any stock to it but also let it soak up a little bit of very good white wine whilst you're doing it and how you do it you've got a glass of nice white wine um, and i'm doing sober october this month so it's really painful for me to be standing there with a glass nice glass of white wine but you just drip 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 it in and let it zoom evaporate and get sucked up into the rice it's almost like you starve the rice it's in the pan it wants to be sucking soaking up water it's only got a little bit of fat and oil and then you add some white wine it really clings on to it like that well i'm trying to do that and in the background i've got the 530 at wolverhampton with my 28 to one shotter who's going to complete the lucky 15 and also i've got the single each way on him as well he's going to come in very difficult to focus on the mushroom risotto i'm not gonna lie I burned the garlic, and then that taste just—that was it. From there on, it was it. That was it. That was, it. That was done. The burnt garlic. It didn't matter that everything else was absolutely part perfect. Everything tasted of burnt garlic from that moment in. I should have just quit, but I didn't. What else have we been making money on? Um, right. So look, um, there are definite edges to be had in goal scorer markets. What's the difficulty with scorer? I mean, have you ever looked at the trading graph on any time goal scorer, first goal scorer? These guys, every single match, they're trading within a whole point of each other. They're trading for as low as six, as high as seven. So what if, it, what if you've been backing at seven and, and or laying at six? You've got value propositions on both sides. They can't both be neutral EV, can they? One of them's got to be right. The reason they swing so much is because yeah, they're very dependent on lineups, especially at Arsenal with Aubameyang and Lacazette. They're, they're dependent on injuries and you know, people can hear about injuries before other people, and so the markets can swing. So ask yourself, how can we possibly get an edge in the anytime goal scorer or first goal scorer or to score two or to score three markets? Well, the answer is we follow them very closely, right? That's how we get an edge. So what I want to do is I want to follow the markets very closely, and I've been putting together this Player XG page, and I want to explain what it is and what it's doing. Um, but let's start at the end. Um, I used it to um, project Carrie Kane to score a hat-trick against Maccabi Haifa in the European League on the 1st of October. He was 10-1 to 1, uh, at William Hill. That was the highest price of any bookmaker. And I made him, this is from memory, so don't quote me, something like 87 to score three goals in that game. Like, maximum 8.7 as well. So I had 150 quid on him on the machines in William Hill. He scored in the second minute. He got a penalty in the 56th minute and scored in the 74th minute in a 7-2 victory for Tottenham. Feels like he could have scored about five when I was listening to it. Was discussing um the XG on the forum. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was bring to the front this bet so that we could go through... The various intricacies of what's going on uh, with this edge. And, um, so I posted the bed slip of £150 and Harry Kane 10 to 1, which is no different to the staking levels or anything that I've posted in the past. Got accused of after timing. <laughs> Me, after timing. Me. After timing. Me. After timing. Me. (laughs) So after timing, for anyone that doesn't know, after timing is a word used to describe those people who only tell you about their bets after they've placed them. Um they could be doing one of two things they could just be showing off but the value and the information would really have been useful before the event not after the event or they never placed it in the first place um either or after timers very annoying they're very shady uh, after timing is generally something you shouldn't do especially on forums to people you don't know maybe you can talk about bets that you're on to your mates but things like that um with me what I seem to have done my whole life is centered it around justifying and explaining every single bet I'm on because I've been able to make money from gambling for years. And I, I, I like sharing it from the very first days I ever did this on the old football forums where I would post up equity graphs and value graphs and things like that off, off my own back um, just to get discussions going um, to the concept of bookie bashing which really did start from why don't I put all my bets onto a tracker to show people and to engage and discuss and things like that. So every bet that I ever did in my entire life, I put on a tracker and allowed people to access it. And if I'm ever doing a bet, and it's a little bit shady. We stick it up as an alphabet. It's new. It's a new methodology. Um, I'm testing it out. I'm not saying it's guaranteed or perfect. I th- I'm pretty sure it's positive equity and there is mathematics and reasoning behind it, but it's an alphabet. So I stuck it up as an alphabet. And then on the forums, it was after timing. I'm not going to lie. It really it got to me a little bit. It was, uh, of all the people for after timing, surely I am the last person who's after timing. Because... Every bet I do, I put up and share on a tracker and then have the results of those bets tracked and critically reviewed and anybody can look at them independently. So I just, I, honestly, I thought, I, I thought it was a little bit unfair. That's what I thought. Um, uh, so I threw my toys out of the pram and stopped the discussion at that time. That is my want. I never said I wasn't then skinned um, So let's discuss where that came from the Harry Kane to score three-plus goals in that match. What did the exchange say for Hattrick? Nothing. There wasn't an exchange market. This is kind of the point. When there isn't an exchange market, you could, you find that a lot of these prices at bookmakers are held for much longer, especially when there isn't a liquid exchange market because the arbitrage players aren't ruining the fun for us like they ruin everything else. So um, what we're doing is trying to estimate... Really, two plus getting a brace, three plus getting a hat trick, score in the first half, to score in the second half, score in both halves, score with a header. Um, we're trying to estimate those bets. Now, how can we possibly mass estimate player AGS price? Well, we can do it from player XG, player expected goals. But it's extremely difficult to model the expected goals of a player in a single game and you really need one person looking at game doing this en masse across a group of games in an evening we don't have the analytics for it we don't have the technology for it um so what do we do instead well we use other people's analytics like everything else that we're doing. We use, you know how on the coupons trackers, I have no idea why a team is steaming in. I just know a team is steaming in. So I'm using other people's analytics to make money off the back of them. I, mean, it's, it's awful behavior by me. I'm sorry that I'm piggy piggybacking on the analytical people, but I'm not the analytical person. I am the knowing how to get money down person, which uh, is a integral cog in the process um so what i'm doing to hijack other people is use their benchmark prices early in the morning that's going to have to be the bookmakers prices because the ags market is almost illiquid even in big games even in big england games where there's no other ags markets early in the morning nothing's been traded you can't gauge anything out on anyone okay um so what we would do is we would use top price plus X percent. X percent probably changes depending on the, the size of the odds. Uh, down at odds on, you tend to find that top price is roughly the same as the last traded price or the late price on the exchange. So you could argue that there is 0% markup and top price on odds on golfers, uh, odds on um, strikers and footballers. And... When the odds start to climb in Europe 10 to 1, there is generally maybe a lot more margin between the last price match on the exchange uh, or the late price in an efficient market and the bookmaker price. So it's kind of like, it's almost like the fave long shot thing, but not as fave long shot, not as biased as. The horse racing market, but certainly there's some argument where around about evens to odds on there's, there should be no markup uh, on top price. We're to talking about top price here, not average price. Of course, there's markup on average price. It's just top price we're talking about. Um, at about 2 to 1 to 3 to 1, we're looking at about 3 to 5%. Uh, upper 4 5 to 1, 6 to 1, 10%, uh, and then that can go up to 20 and 25% as well. The higher that we go up, so there's a scale of markup that gets applied as the players' odds increase. And In all honesty, I'm not massively concerned about the guys at six to one, seven to one, eight to one, ten to one, twenty to one, because the edge is, as far as I'm concerned, isn't an AGS. Yes, that's where the edge isn't. It's in to score two plus, to score a brace, to score three, to score in the halves, and to score a header. So what we do is we can. We can hinge off the bookmaker price first thing in the morning. And then as soon as there has been enough exchange liquidity uh, and trading uh, and activity, we can maybe gauge something off the exchange price. And there has to be a lot of rules in there. Let's not be too gappy. Let's make sure the last price matches between the back and the lay currently, or we can't use that. And the, It gets a little bit complicated, but it's, it's no different to the daily goals, XG, to tell you the truth. And so what we can do, well, this is the model we're going to set up and this will be live at some point towards the end of this year we'll start off tracking odds checker for the primary golf uh, primary footballers the golfs on the background so why I keep saying golfers the primary footballers in the go- back um in the, of the day um so that might be the top five Spurs prices uh, who are most likely to play it be up to us as admin to know that you know um Kane's injured or whatever um then if there is some exchange movement over the day it'll switch to tracking the exchange, and all we're trying to do is come up with the AGS price here. And what we can do is we can use an uh, inverse probability distribution analysis to sort of reverse engineer the XG from the AGS, okay? And then once we've got the XG, we can extrapolate out from 1 plus to 2 plus to 3 plus. What I find when you extrapolate out from AGS price to 2 plus to 3 plus, inefficient markets with, and there aren't many of them, with money liquidity in the to score two and to score three in the exchanges, the extrapolation works fine in inefficient markets, in gappy markets. You tend to find that the lay price or the last price match is lower than you would think it should be in the inefficient markets. And there's one of two things going on there, okay? One, if the price is right, that means that the probability of a player scoring a second and third goal in the match is better once he's scored the first goal, possibly. Or two, it could mean it's an inefficient market that caters more for mug money, the backers. There's more backers in those two-plus and three-plus market than there are layers. Uh, The layers don't have much of an edge outside of that market. Um, And so you artificially find that you get really bad back and lay prices that are lower than they should be. So one of the two is true, either the price is correct and there is a higher chance of scoring a second or third once you've got a first, or the price is incorrect because of the inefficiency of the market and there's more back money in it. Either way, it's good that we're pessimistic. It's good that we're generally always estimating a price that's either going to be correct or a little bit too high, because that means that we're not going to flag any false positives. Okay, following the logic? Right, now that we've got xg and we can extrapolate forward to ags based on prices from the analytics of other people we can extrapolate to two plus and three plus we can find edges in brace and hat tricks where there is no exchange market so you maybe it's a championship game maybe it's a coupon where there is no two plus or three plus on the exchange those the bookmakers aren't cutting those prices because there's not a lot of engagement there's not a lot of people hitting them so let's put our hands up and say you know what we can go and hit them We can go and hit them based on sound um, piggybacking on the analytics of others for AGS. And we can do that. And we can have a look at Brace and hat-trick. I mean, obviously, things like hat-trick, they're very long-term games. Uh, Kane was big value there, but he's still not going to get a hat-trick once out of every 7.67 times in that match. He did get the hat-trick then. Uh, It was good news. To score in the first half and the second half requires an assessment of how many minutes the player is going to play. Because we know he's XG, but that won't be a split 50-50. He's always got some chance of being subbed off or getting injured in the middle of the match. It's not going to be 0%. Just now I assume he is going to uh, play 45 minutes in the first half and 45 minutes in the second half because we're ironing out that part of the algorithm. It's not a huge thing anyway outside of the William Hill GSOs to score in both Hobbs. Um, also when you multiply first half and second half to get to score in both halves, whatever he doesn't play in one half, you do get the benefit in the other half. So the score in both halves should still be sound in each half individually, might just be a little bit off and some work there. To score with his head, well, we've got lots of data, which we publish on the site, uh, about percentage shots uh, each player has in the previous year with his head, right? So... That's quite valuable data when the data set is large enough. And with people like Virgil van Dijk, who are getting 80% of his uh, goals with his header, it's tangible information that can be used. Harry Wilson, 3.5% of his goals with his head. Um, Mbappe, 40.8% of his goals with his head last year. Harry Kane, 12% of his goals with his head. So we can take the XG and we can extrapolate that uh, with the percentage goals with his head that's relevant Um, and again, relevant is important you can't take a team's performance in the championship and apply it to the premiership and say that's the percentage because they'll have a completely different strategy in the premiership and then we can come up with a price for his header is it accurate? Mm, what do you mean by accurate? how accurate do you think the bookies are? how accurately do you think they are with their prices for a, a, a goal scored with their heads? You don't think we can come up with something that could be comparable to them, especially when they're putting up stack- static prices and we're monitoring the exchange and we're monitoring the uh, best bookie price and we find out that a player is steaming in, right? Because his, his playing partner isn't playing and they're, they're playing in a formation where he's up in front by himself or the opposition's had an injured player or whatever. His AGS price is steaming in. Using our analytics, we we find out the, the percentage chance of it uh, him scoring a header in this game is really good compared to some of the boosts, or even just standard markets that the bookmakers have up for that so it's all going to be about hinging um this price piggybacking on the analytics of people that are already looking at AGS price. And if we can nail that down, get that live, get that being refreshed every two or three minutes uh, from a checker, then we've got quite a powerful way of determining value in the two plus, three plus score with a header markets. Scoring from outside the box is a little harder. You can't just take the number of shots somebody has outside of the box and say that's how the percentage goals he'll get because much fewer goals go in from outside of the box. So... Th- that one needs to be ironed out and a lot more thought in it but the header definite angle there two plus and three plus definite angle there what we need to do is stop this page that we have being static which doesn't change and it needs to start tracking live uh, prices and we'll have that in place sometime before the end of the year So, uh, looking at the golf, golfy golf, Um, for starters, yes, we've had a couple of winners, but I think it's probably time for us to grow up on the Bashcast and stop doing those silly songs when you get a winner, Um, not just because nothing rhymes with Sergio Garcia or Martin Led, but also just because, you know, it's time to put things to bed, act a little bit more mature. So, we had a few, We, you know what? It was kind of weird. I think I'd said previously that we were having a lot of success on the PGA last year, and a lot more than this year. So, year one, and my records ran from the 20th of May 2019, year two, from the um, 21st of May 2020, so sort of May to May has been the year, just because that's when I started recording, right? And last year, there was a 213% ROI on the PGA. Only 49% ROI on the European Tour. Still made money, just not as much. This year, though, 16 tournaments, 158 bets on the PGA. No winners. Um, I've staked about 10 grand and and 2,500 down on the PGA. Fortunately, I'm 3,500 up on the European Tour so I'm about a thousand up i'm not setting the world on fire after 27 tournaments since the 21st of may in the pga and the european tour it's a lot of effort but also that's the variant of golf isn't it just the one winner that was on the european tour uh, mark warren mark warren g just hitting the east side so it was, it was like, okay, it was like, last year I was thinking that the PGA was performing better than the European Tour. You start to ask yourself questions. Is that because we have more data? Is it because the markets are more informed, more mature? And then this year we're making a little bit more money on the European Tour, but 27 tournaments isn't a very large sample size at all. So that took us really up to the... Um, the Irish Open and the Punta Cana Championship, which was another loss in the PGA. Just the one place, and that was a dead heat as well for Luke Lister, only 46 to 1. Fortunately, the Irish Open brought some profit, uh, two places, and a place dead heat out of 10 players. Uh, Fabrio Zanotti at 110 to 1 got the dead heat place. Joachim Lagrigan. At forty to one, and Jazz Jenner Watton and got a place. I don't know how he didn't win though. At sixty to one, he was three shots in the lead with five holes to play. It looked like it was all over, but Jazz didn't bring home the bacon for us on in that tournament. That brought us up so meandering along a little bit, going into the Ponte Championship. Um. We were, in year two, after 27 tournaments, 23.28% ROI. So if we'd started with a £1,000 bankroll, we had 1,232. So I haven't lost any money. Um, We put some metrics together for this tournament. So I just wanted to discuss what these metrics are. First of all, um, we use Fantasy Labs over in America to have a look at... Fantasy Labs is primarily for Fantasy Sports America and it trends predictive metrics for golfers on golf courses around the world. It's got a lot of PGA events, not so many of the European tour. So on the PGA, what we can do is we can identify what the predictive measures are in each tournament using Green Square is another good place uh, who review golf courses. Um, They're quite cheap. To get a subscription for Fancy Labs, a little bit more expensive. Um, the Punta Cana Championship, we had a look at Grip It and Rip It, which is basically driving distance. An odd score. Plot those players on the table with on the x-axis. The score that we give them based on the, the, combining those metrics, which is Grip It and Rip It driving distance, odd score, maybe a few others like scrambling and things like that into multi-criteria analysis and the score between 0 and 5 and have the odds on the y-axis. And what jumps out here, you know, generally on the bottom right, the guys with the biggest score are the favourite in the field, but any of those middle of the field or longer odds that have high scores, they could be a good proposition. That doesn't guarantee, that doesn't mean bet on them. It doesn't guarantee that the bookmakers are going to offer prices that are plus EV. The bookmaker could still offer 1 to 10 on these guys. And just because we've seen that they are uh, a decent, decent rank based on their predictive metrics doesn't mean that they're a decent bet. It all comes down to the odds that the bookmakers are offering. So at the Sanderson's Farm... Um, we were having a look at driving distance, par 5 scoring, eagle scoring which is why Zach Johnson was um, ranked very highly there between 0 and 5 someone asked if we meant DJ no, Uh, Zach Johnson does very well on his eagles, Uh, he ranked very highly that does well on this course in Las Vegas. Also, Scotty Scheffler, on game. Will Zalatoris has been featuring very highly up on the leaderboards recently. See si who Kim. Sergio Garcia was scored um, relatively highly for us, and he won it at 19 under to bring in our first PGA winner um, of the year. I was on seven golfers in that tournament. Nick Watney, Rob Oppenheim, Zach Johnson, Bill Haas, Sergio Lucas Glover and Patrick Rogers. Sergio at 55 um, to 1. And he kind of took the lead um, in the 12th hole, which is about 10.30pm UK time, and that was really difficult for me to stay awake for. I did my best, but I was drifting in and out of consciousness. I missed the I missed all the way up to the 18th and then woke up just in time for him to do the pot. It was almost like I was subconsciously hearing it and so we just woke up in the living room with the fire embers burnt out um, and he drained that pot. And that was my first PGA um, win of this year, if you start the year, May. Um, and so uh, that wasn't too bad. We moved on from the Sandersons Farm Championship to the Shriners Hospital for Children, where we were looking at scrambling and bogey scoring and shots gained, putting and odd score. And you couldn't deny that Bryson DeChambeau was very highly scored in terms of the metric on this course, um, because it looked like he was just going to able to drive tee to green over the dog legs, and then put And he did do very well, but he got 62, 67, 71, 66. He was a little bit inconsistent. I think in the third round, um, he had a stretch of holes on the front nine where he went double bogey, birdie, bogey, bogey, double bogey. So the fact that he finished in the top eight whatsoever was somewhat amazing. Um, Martin led the Scotsman, 200 and 75 to one at bet 365 250 to one at other bookmakers where he was still value and probably easier to get on if denise has restricted you um is that the biggest winner you ever had i just want to check that now let me just do a little filter and this is one sort of the value of having these guys who are higher place it's very easy to dismiss them and think well they're never going to win um, before, yeah, we've only had two triple figure wins. That was Mark Warren in the Austrian Open. And then you had to go way back to Andrea Pavan at 100 to 1. Um, so, by some distance, um, Martin led. And also, because of the way I'm sort of rounding stakes up, because I'm always looking for an excuse to bet more, right? So it's like, if you take a stake, I don't want to bet £1.26 at a bookmaker, or in the case of um, Martin Laird and the Shriners, who's 275 to one. I don't want to bet £5.22, which uh, because it just looks weird. So uh, I could round that to a fiver, but I could also round that to £6, which is exactly what I did. So rounded that up to 6 quid, Um made 1,900 profit on him, Um I did very well in Garcia the week before as well because I had Garcia as the, the double stakes player of the week, which is just something I'm doing just to inject a little bit of fun, take one player and do double stakes on them. And then Sergio was a lucky player from the week before. Martin Led wasn't my double stakes player of the week. Matthew Wolfe was, who was in a playoff with Martin Led. In fact, Of the playoff, it was Martin Laird, Austin Cook and Matthew Wolfe. I was on two of three of them and I was convinced because I've actually won my fair share of playoffs that this is the time where Locke catches up with me and Austin Cook's going to win it and Martin Laird's going to be second and Matthew Wolfe third. And if that happens, I cannot complain because of the amount of times we've had our fair share of uh, winners on the playoff, but I did have two of three of them lock strikes again. The 275 to one golfer came in, and all of a sudden, just in those two weeks, the uh, losing run of PGA golfers in year two comes full swing. And now, um, uh, if we staked a thousand pounds in the PGA this year, we would have 1,526 pounds 80 at the moment for 52 pounds 68 percent ROI. Since May, if we started with a £1,000 bankroll, we currently have £2,268.80. And this is all just following the recommendations that I'm putting up on the site on the Wednesday and the Tuesday. And uh, there are more plus EV opportunities on the tracker. And if someone's been cut, just replace it with a tracker. But, I mean, that that means that, in total, since May 2019, just the bets we've been putting up on the site... um, if you started with a £1,000 bankroll, you would have staked £10,597 and you would currently have thir- uh, sorry 4885 So you'd be £3,885 in profit for 388.58% uh, return on investment. It's good fun the golf, but again, had to wait a long time. Had to wait nearly four months to get out of the red on the PGA this year right i mean i know lockdown contributed to that a little bit because there weren't tournaments at the beginning but it was like 16 tournaments and we were in the red just on the pga at least we were in the green on the european tour and so you know that's four months it's a long time to wait that that, that's the kind of volatility and the variance if you think you're going to go into it and then make some money and then you're not making money after three months, a lot of people would be like, well, it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden we get two winners in a row um, and we're significantly in profit. It's just the weird thing about the variance. If you want to know my hat trick, because just now it is um, Friday afternoon, 16th of October. It's the day after started the Bashcast. Um, I'm on, um, well, let's not do them all because to be fair, and the CJ Cup, some of them are pretty much out of it. Why doesn't the PGA log me in when I visit the website? Does that happen to anyone else? It's so annoying. I'm, I have to go to my phone to get my favorited players. Um, My player of the week. My player of the week is Taylor Gooch, who, to be fair to him, did finish in 14th position. Which, it's, a short, it's a small field. I think, is it 72 or 78 in this field? Um, But he's the guy I'm doubled up at. No, it isn't. I'm doubled up on Lanto Griffin. For some reason, Lanto Griffin and Taylor Gooch look like the same name to me because they've both got five letters in their first name with the fourth one being an O and their surname starts with a G. You get that, right? Taylor Gooch, Lanto Griffin... Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm on Hubbard Gooch. Hubbard's always value as well. I'm gonna be on Hubbard every week, I think, and he's never gonna place. Hubbard Gooch, Palmer Bradley, Mora Wawa Wawa, Watson, Matthew Wolf who went eight over Sebastian Minutes. And Lando Griffin at two hundred to one was my player of the week who I'm double stakes on. Um so of those guys, not an astounding Day one, but uh, never count your chickens after day one of a golf tournament. See how we do with this. Right, guys. It's probably enough for the first half. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BuckyBash.net. Camera pans, the bent green grass Behind a rough of well positioned plants I found eight places and the value that that brings Which I needed after a DD on Tyron Mings I think it's one of those PGA things Or a tour that's trying to tell me something Will I ever stop thinking about it? I don't know I doubt it Dogleg par 4s by design I wonder what I would find At the next hole We will putt for dough The title goes to Mr Sergio and we find in this PGA bubble That we focused our crosshairs on the double Assuming anyone out there cared Next week was the turn of Mr. Martin led I can remember when I got stuck in a lockdown negative swing I thought that it will probably work out lovely But you probably don't know when that will be They were right though, I can't lie Those losing times are just a corner of my mind And I can put them right back with the rest That's the way it goes I guess Sad adrift from the European soul Sad adrift of the European soul Careless whisper from a careless man A Neutron dance for a Neutron fan
1: rest, that's the way it goes
0: I guess Baby, you Dawn from the album of The Heart of the Soul and the Cross, the Utopian Experience, released in 1991. Written by actual Gary Kemp. In the bookie bashing news. I can't remember if we talked about this story or not, but if we did, it's certainly taken a progression. A man has been denied a £1.7 million payout by Betfred... And is taking the fight to the high Court. So what's happened here? And I wanted to look at this story through the lens of an advantage player who has had to fight for his money and for payouts numerous times in the past. So Andy Green, 53, from Lincolnshire was playing um, Frank the Betfred Frankie de Tory Magic 7 Blackjack game. I do not know this game. I do know the Frankie de Tory Magic 7 game, which is a slot, and I do know Blackjack. Uh, I don't quite understand how either game could result in him winning £1,722,923.54, other than there must have been some sort of progressive jackpot. Um, associated with it. So in a lot of these slot games, um, there is a progressive jackpot. The operators like Playtech and NetEnt will group together their games and maybe one millionth of a penny or one billionth of a penny uh, of each spin contributes towards this um, um, pooled progressive jackpot. And uh, uh, one player has uh, the chance, you could win it on any spin, but you know, the chances of winning it are just so extreme. It's unbelievable. Um, like to win that 1.7 million, that must have been 100 million to one or whatever. Um, doesn't happen very often. And it's suggested here that Andy Green from Lancashire was playing the game and did win the progressive jackpot of 1.722 million pounds. Now, Let's say you're playing the game and you're playing at 25p stakes and you win, you get five bells in a row and that should be at an extreme, maybe a times 10,000 of your stake. Then, you know, you should be credited um, 2,000 pounds. In the actual game mechanics itself, there isn't a game really out there that pays out 1.7 million pounds other than a progressive jackpot. So the only thing that could have happened here is he hits... The progressive jackpot. Now, could you hit a progressive jackpot? Uh, could you think that you'd hit a progressive jackpot uh, and you actually hadn't? Maybe. If you didn't understand the make, the game mechanics, you could maybe think that Five Bells is a progressive jackpot. Uh, and it isn't. It's just the Times 10,000 or whatever Five Bells plays or Five Frankie de Tories. Um, so it is possible. And I'm sure lots of people think that they have hit... Jackpot wins when they just didn't understand the pay lines and the game mechanics. What's interesting here though, is that it seems like, um, Andy green. Definitely was paid the money appeared in his account. Um, and he was able to continue playing with it and even place sports bets with it. So, um, you can understand from his point of view, that he thought that he had legitimately won this. He placed some more bets and took screenshots to prove that it had happened, as you probably would. Good grief, I'd be cloning the phone if it had happened. He then went to withdraw, and three days passed, Um, and then the request was declined. Um, There's actually a clip of uh, Andy Green talking about this, that was on Radio Five Live this morning.
1: Five days they led me to believe that I was a millionaire, and then on the fifth day I received a call um, uh, from Gibraltar, and telling me that they had been a uh, so-called glitch uh, malfunction, and they would they wouldn't be paying out. How hard was that to hear? Oh, devastating. Um, you know. It, I just like, like somebody had torn my heart out, robbed me. Um, it was unbelievable. Because to live with the knowledge for five days that, you know, this is an amount of money that is going to change your life, that seems particularly cruel that period of time before they say, oh, hang on a minute, we've got this wrong. And they say it was a software glitch and their terms and conditions cover them for it. What do you and your lawyers say? Yeah, um, well, they've never come up with any evidence, glitch, for one. Um, two, um, the glitch, if there was a so-called glitch, lies with the software company. Um, I basically, I I have an account with Betfred, not with a software company. I played the game that was happy to get my money. Uh, um, I won the jackpot. They congratulated me on winning the jackpot. And therefore, they should pay out. If there's any problems with a glitch, Betfred should be suing or taking this up with the game provider tech What kind of toll has it taken on you? Oh, it's uh, it's been in, an incredible journey. You know, it's been uh, very stressful. Um, you know, I have serious heart condition. I've had four heart attacks, eleven heart procedures. This has not helped me at all. Um, but um I'm, I'm just determined that these big companies aren't gonna do this to the small person on the street. And this is as I say, this isn't just for me, this is for everybody out there.
0: So that's um Andy Green talking and I have so much sympathy with him. The emotional roller coaster that he must have gone through for five days thinking that he'd won one point seven million pounds. Um let's put aside the fact that he's in poor health. It's very unfortunate that he is, and this probably won't be contributing to his health, but his health problems aren't Betfred's fault. Uh, What is Betfred's fault is the everything else in this story and um, Betfred called him the Betfred director called him to say that there had been a software error and it was rejecting the claim as a token of goodwill the company was willing to pay 30,000 pounds. But Mr. Green would have to agree to not talk about it ever again. Mr. Green refused and the company increased its offer to £60,000, which he also rejected. That's very interesting that they were trying to buy his silence. This is so typical of dealings with bookmakers that I've had, especially the director that phoned him up. The director that phoned him up will have been instructed by his superiors that he wasn't going to pay out this money to this man. Whether the I believe Betfred uh, I don't I believe that there was a software error. Betfred wouldn't just not pay out a progressive jackpot because they didn't feel like it or they're being they were being tight. Um, the Frankie D'Amico Magic Seven Blackjack game is run by the Playtech company, and they will. I'm sure, have had some sort of software glitch where it wasn't ready to pay it out, and it did. But that isn't Andy Green's problem. It really isn't. And it's so typical that when they found out that there had been a software glitch, they pass on the responsibility of the risk of that happening, not back to Playtech, but forward to the customer, a customer in ill health whose life may indeed be shortened, even though we said that we weren't going to consider that as being relevant to the story. Um, It's so typical of these managers to get in touch and say, right, we're not giving you the money. We don't have to. We don't have to give you the money. From the user point, you did nothing wrong. It seems like you just played the game and uh, it said that you won the money, but you're not having it. Uh, The arrogance of that, I mean, it's very similar. I really want to talk about a story that, is going on with the French league goals bet that we had in William Hill shops dealings with the representative from William Hill there have pretty much been exactly the same as this, where they've said, um, at one point they said you've suffered no financial loss because um, uh, um, had the bet lost you wouldn't have won. Well, we have suffered a financial loss because you haven't. You're not paying out at the odds that you stated that you should be paying out ass, and and it's all of this passing the problem on to the customer well here's my massive problem with this what happens to the money that they save when they don't pay out fairly to the customer where does that money go does it go to charity does it go to making the world a better place no it goes to making the shareholders richer people now people that are shareholders who hold shares in FTSE 500 companies are generally quite wealthy people anyway Fred Dunn himself in the Sunday Times in April 2015 was reported to have an estimated net worth of one billion pounds. Now, if I've got a net worth of one billion pounds and I'm in control of some software, even if I didn't write the software, but I license the software from someone else, if I license software from someone else and turn around to you and say, use my software and something like this happens and I'm worth a billion pounds, I'm going to pay you the money out of my own pocket. I'm going to make you good. I'm going to make it good for everybody where if I've made a mistake or someone that I am in a partnership with makes a mistake through my front end, I am going to make it good with you and I'm going to spend a lot of my own personal attention and resources in making sure that these mistakes get ironed out. And the £1.7 million is a very, very costly thing to happen. And I might go and sue Playtech and have real issues with them. Um, and they're worth, themselves are, are a, bu- a billion pound company. There is, the money exists for these payouts to happen. The billionaires and the millionaires who are shareholders of these companies are wealthy people, as a result... Of not just the success of the company, but a generation of senior managers and directors being instructed that the customer shall not be paid out if any mistake has happened, even if the mistake is on the company side. That is not fair. And it is not right on any of us. It's not fair and right on my current situation with William Hill, which I will talk about in a future Bashcast when it's resolved and we've been paid out, by the way. And it's not fair on Mr. Andy Green. And I hope he gets his money. And I think he's got a really good chance of getting his money. Um, His solicitor, Peter Coyle, said that whilst Fred's betting terms and conditions are incredibly complicated and span across numerous different documents, we are confident that on their proper construction, the terms simply don't allow for Betfred to withhold payment. Mr. Coyle pointed out that if all pay and plays were voided, then Betfred would have refunded other customers, but the company has produced no evidence that it happened. Again, in my situation with William Hill, they have offered a gesture of goodwill of free bets to the people that have complained, which isn't enough. Full payout is what is deserved. Has there been any evidence of their offering any um, uh, free bets to the lower-stakes customers? What about the customers who are betting £1 and £2? Um... You know, if you if, if the payout that you were deserved was 25 quid or 50 quid, you're not going to go to court. You're not going to get a solicitor. And they're going to stand by this long-held um, um, stance that bookmakers and middle managers and directors have had where they tell the customer that our terms and conditions allow us to withhold payment. Well, no, they don't. Actually, what you're doing is illegal under basic consumer law. Um it's patently unfair. And what I, what really hurts and stings with me is I wouldn't put this fight and I wouldn't judge this against the local um, independent bookmaker where the guy's got a family to feed. I, I would have sympathy with him. I wouldn't be happy that it happened if I placed a bet at, and he turns around and says those odds were wrong or I, there's been some casino game. Uh, and if a result of me engaging into a consumer contract with him and then my justified payout results in ruining this man i would be annoyed because i would have lost out on money but i would accept that because i don't want to ruin anybody that's not my raising debt trust not my purpose of being around it i would feel bad about it i don't need i don't I, i don't need to ruin somebody to improve my own life fred dunn is a billionaire Betfred are worth hundreds of millions. William Hill are worth billions of FTSE 500. They should be paying out every single time they make a mistake. And all of their focus and their effort has to go into minimising the mistakes that they make. They shouldn't, this has to end, have this culture of if something goes wrong, the first line of defence is going to be to tell the customer we don't have to pay them out. We'll stick by that. And if the fight, we'll go to court. How many times have I lost a court case against Bookmaker? Zero. I really hope Mr Andy Green doesn't lose his. All right, guys. What's coming up in the sports? At the end of this... Ah, No. I'm not drunk. I've actually finished a Bashcast without drinking alcohol for the first time in three Bashcasts. Let me just check. That is actually a record for the latter part of the year. That's a bit weird. Uh, there's a bottle of wine downstairs with my name on it. Is it still Sober October? It's the 16th, so technically I'm in the second half of October. And I'm going to Greece next week on a family holiday. So, obviously, I can't do Sober October for the end of... Yeah, I think I bet... It's probably... It's not, it, it, I've done over half of the month. Therefore, Sober October was a success. I'm off to open the beer. Um, So, towards the end of this month, listen, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, hiatus. There'll be fewer Alpha Delta Beta bets on the tracker because it takes some time off. We're not far away, however, from having that pretty much automated and every kickoff, or at least, sorry, every team news an hour before kickoff, they should start feeding through and populating. I think we're going to implement the rule not before then to give people who are inquisitive enough to look for themselves a chance to get on them before they're cut. So towards the end of this month, whilst I'm away, I'm going to be missing um, some women's football, the Vuelta a España, that great betting event that is cycling, but In seriousness, it really sort of um, just revolves around the Premiership, the Championship, coming back and the Champions League next week. The group stage kicks off with Chelsea, Sevilla and Manchester United versus PSG, I think will be a cracker on Tuesday night. They're sort of following that format where they have a couple of games at 5.55, the Eastern European countries, Dynamo Kiev, Zenit St Petersburg on Tuesday um and then they have later 8 pm 6 8 pm kickoffs which they were doing last season and then thursday night just major major it's almost chaos the europa group stage because there's like 25 30 matches that could all be detailed games from corners and stuff like that there's almost too much to focus on but that's the beauty of these things right i'd much prefer having 25 um, Europa League games because you always find gems there. You know, look at genuinely looking at this weekend. I mean, um, Manchester United versus Newcastle. Rightfully, is the late Saturday 8 p.m. kickoff. But you're not going to find any value in it. It's, those markets will be shaped within an inch of their life because there's nothing on to compete with it. Um, and so over the way. Um, on Sunday again the wrong, but last Sunday which really isn't helping flow at this end. I might as well be drunk, that'd be better. I mean, it's going to be Tottenham-West Ham, 4.30, the London derby, and then Leicester-Villa, the Midlands derby at 7.15. Again, great news, you won't find any value in it. You're much more likely to find value in Lille versus Lons at 8pm, where everybody and his man isn't looking at the same markets at the same time, or Schalke versus Union Berlin. I'm telling you now, there'll be value in that, there'll be more value than that. Then there will be Leicester, Aston Villa. So it's a case of just getting into uh, a routine again with the football, the normal football before we hit more Nations League in the middle of November, which at least coincides with the, uh, the Masters at Augusta, which does take place between the 12th and the 15th of November this year. So it'll be very interesting. Whatever it is that you're betting on, do make sure it's either value or you're getting... You'll request a better day because a request a better day to keep the traders away. It's Tom signing out. Did the earth move fire? Did the earth move fire? Did the earth move fire? Did the earth move fire?